listener. Kickpot acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of the land in which we are recording this podcast, the Yulikit Wulan clan of the Boomerang, who are a part of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to our elders, past and present, and extend our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Welcome to the Kickpod, your DNM on the stuff that matters, but also the stuff that doesn't. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Hello. Hello. It's a Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, people could be listening any day, really, but if you... For us. If you're a... You know what? In the regulars? It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. Wednesday. <laughs> so thank you for being here. Today is a very special episode with someone yes. we've been wanting to get onto the podcast for a very long time. Yes. And that is Jordan Lambropoulos. She... I got to know Jordan through TikTok initially. Her TikTok account is It's Geordie's World. And what I found... So incredible about the content that she puts out there. Geordie is 25 years old. She was diagnosed with Crohn's disease from age nine, and she speaks very openly about her life story and her journey through this. And what I think I love about the content that she puts out there is it's so raw and honest. And also, I don't know how to put this, but it's, I think for anyone who might be going through anything similar, they would feel so seen because she has such a beautiful balance of showing the most honest, hard moments that she's Mm -hmm. going through and her struggles and speaking to the truth of that, you know, not like putting fairy dust over her experience. But then she's also showing that she's trying to still have her normal life. She likes to, you know, get ready and get dressed up and I think that's really special as well because it it shows, I suppose, that there is, that you can find light, you know, Mm -hmm. in the the hardest of times. And I think that's what I find so inspiring about Geordie and her story. Um, I'm going to leave most of the explaining, obviously, because she goes through this in Mm -hmm. our chat laws. um, And she speaks so well through what Crohn's is. Um, She's recently had a stem cell transplant and she speaks really well through that process as well. And what I mean by that is I feel like for me, anything medical, uh, sometimes I I, I don't quite understand it when it's put to me from like a doctor, a doctor say, but I think when someone goes through it personally, and Geordie is someone who really wanted to do a lot of her own research and learn so much about what she's going through herself, the way she explains it just makes it so easy to understand and not easy to understand that you could even imagine what she's going through, but you can understand the process of things. And I thought it was just so incredible. And I learned so much through this, through this chat with Me her. Me too. She is a queen mm. and we hope you enjoy this conversation. Jordi, welcome to the Kickpot. It is so, so special to be finally speaking to you. I feel like I've followed you for quite a while on TikTok and I'm just personally so excited to actually finally be able to talk to you. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, and I've followed you because y- your story is pretty incredible, but everything that you share as well um, is just is just amazing. And we're going to get into that in today's chat. But where I thought we could start, you were diagnosed with Crohn's disease when you were nine years old. Mm-hmm. And for anyone who isn't aware of what Crohn's disease is or how it affects you. Do you mind just giving a little bit of explainer and how, yeah, how does it really affect your day to day? Yeah, absolutely. So Crohn's disease is basically an inflammatory bowel disease that causes the immune system to attack its own digestive system. It almost doesn't recognize it as being its own and it attacks it. 
So on a day-to-day basis, I have a pretty severe case of Crohn's disease. It's completely treatment refractory, which means it doesn't respond to any treatment. So basically it just affects my day-to-day in that I am constantly in a lot of pain. I have bowel obstructions on the daily. Well, not at the moment because I've had a stem cell transplant, but it affects, yeah, basically I'm just in pain 24-7. The pain of a bowel obstruction is just something that I can't even put into words. It makes me tired and it's it's honestly just awful. Oh, I, I, I mean, I can't imagine. And I wanted to say to Jordy, hi. <laughs> hi, Laura. Hi. Hello. I, I didn't really give you a chance. No, I was like, I'm no, just, no, I just no, want I to didn't, chat. I didn't jump in <laughs> enough. Anyway, what I was going to say was so when Seth um, and Mandy were talking about, we're planning episodes and they were both saying, oh, we have to have Geordie on. And then Aww. I then, I think it was that night, mm. your story came up on my TikTok and I was like, oh, my God. Mm. And then I was like, oh, my God, Seth, we have to have yeah. <laughs> This person on. And then Seth was like, that's who we were talking about. We had yeah, anyway. <laughs> oh my so gosh. You, you are just incredible. You are you are so inspiring. And as you touched on before, you just had a stem or yeah. when when was your stem cell transplant? So I had my stem cell transplant in May. I think it was May 10th this year. May so 10th. that was kind of like my rebirth day, as they call it, which was pretty exciting. It was around scary. your birthday too, right? Yeah, it was literally less than a month after my birthday. So I had my 25th and then I had my rebirth day less than a month later. So can you tell, so in terms of the surgery, what does it actually, for anyone that's not aware, what what does it mean to have a stem cell transplant? So basically with the stem cell transplant, it's a complete reset to the immune system. It's like a factory reset. It's not necessarily like an organ transplant, but it's an entire immune system transplant. So basically the way that it works with autoimmune diseases, because a lot of people hear about stem cells slash bone marrow transplants for things like leukemia and lymphoma, but in autoimmune diseases, basically it's a big factory reset to the system. And that's just with the hope that the immune system regenerates and regrows itself without that desire to attack the bowel, basically. And when I had my stem cell transplant, the hope for me was that it would put me into a long-term remission where I would basically not have any active disease, which I felt like that was a bit of a a bit of a stretch because that would be miraculous. But I guess at the end of the day, what we needed to do was preserve my small intestine because we were losing it by the week. It was like on a weekly basis, steroids were no longer working for me and I was getting new areas of disease and that was causing this permanent damage that you just, you can't fix the permanent damage. All you can do is remove it surgically. So I guess you can't live without a small intestine and we were just getting to the point where I was running out of it. Um, I only have about 50% left. So that's why we decided to go with this stem cell transplant. And basically it's just where they give you a very intense chemotherapy regime. And what it does is kills off all of your immune cells, all of your bone marrow, so that your body can't necessarily produce more stem cells on its own. And prior to having that, I'd actually gone through a mobilization cycle where I had my stem cells extracted via apheresis, which is like where they basically take your blood out of your body, cycle it through a machine, take the stem cells out and put it back in. So I had my cells collected and then after I'd had the chemo conditioning, what that does is basically 
like when you have a heart transplant, for example, you've got to remove the old heart, put the new heart in. You have to remove the bone marrow for mm. a bone marrow transplant. So the chemo did that and then they infused me with my own stem cells again and the process sort of started from there. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. And you're feeling well now? How are you now? I'm actually feeling great, to be honest. I, It's kind of like two different things because I've got the recovery from the transplant itself and then I've also got the actual Crohn's disease aspect. Mm. But from a Crohn's perspective, I feel great. Like I genuinely have never felt better. That's so, so, so good to hear, Jord. And I, I know, I think something that I admire so much about you is um, and when I use the word story, I know <laughs> it's 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 your story, it's your life. It's, mm, it's yeah. So mm. please don't take it in the wrong way. But I think no, um, so fired. When I yeah, I think the part of the story that I think was so brave of you to share is, um, I mean, the fact that you feared for your life, and you know, you're 25 years old. Um, yeah. You actually shared that you created a, a goodbye video even for your family. And I would just, if you feel comfortable talking about that, Jord, like yeah, how was that time for you when I suppose you weren't feeling like you are today mm-hmm. um, and, and working through that time where you were fearing your life? To be honest, it's harder for me today than what it was then because at the time when you're kind of going through that, you are, I guess you're just, you're literally going through it. Mm-hmm. So you don't have the time to think about it on an emotional level. But then when you look back on it from, say, like today, I was actually looking at a video in my car before I came here. So I got here like two hours early. I was sitting in my car watching <laughs> videos. And those videos, they're just, they're really hard to rewatch mm. because I, I'm almost so childlike in them because I was just in that really dependent stage of my life where I couldn't do anything for myself. I I don't even recognize the girl in the videos. And I guess at the time it was it was really difficult because when you live with a chronic condition for your entire life, you I guess you don't place a lot of value as such on your own life, so to speak. That sounds bad, but I never really placed that much value on my life for my benefit. But then I look at, you know, my family, my parents, my grandparents, my sister, my brothers, and I just think they, I don't know how they would go on without me. It would hurt them Mm. far too much if I had left when I was, I guess, thinking Mm. that I was going to. Um, So when I was going through it, that was the one thing that I thought of was my family. And I just thought, I can't leave them I just, I simply can't. They've been through enough heartache. They've been through enough trauma in their lives from having to support me. I, they can't, I just, I can't leave them. And it wasn't, I didn't think about myself as such. That's one thing that I always thought if I was in a position where I didn't think I was going to make it, I would be thinking about myself and what's going to happen to me. But mm. that wasn't even a thought in my mind. It was just, I I wanted to make sure that they knew how loved they were and I guess when I made that video, I was I was laying in bed with a 41 degree fever and mm. the nurses would come around and do four hourly obs. So the last time my obs were checked, my fever was normal, but I could tell that I'd gotten a fever within like about an hour of them checking my obs. And I then sort of, I found it really difficult to even move my arm to grab my phone. And at that point, I just thought, this is it. I can't see myself coming back from this. So that's why I kind of used all my energy to just reach for my phone and record that message for my parents so that they, I suppose, knew what I wanted if I were to pass and also so that they knew not to blame the transplant 
for my death, but to, instead to blame the disease because mm. the transplant had to be done. It was a it was a last resort. We had to give it a shot. But here I am today telling the story. So, oh wow, so, I'm very was, lucky. I, I, thank you for sharing that. I wanted to ask you for anyone that hasn't followed your journey, and mm. if you haven't, we'll put your um your link yeah. to your TikTok in in the show notes. So everyone can follow you because you're just incredible. Oh, thank you. When you recorded that video, what stage of the transplant were you at, like mm. post-op? How many days were you post-op? Yeah, so when I recorded the video, that was actually what we call day zero, so transplant day. Right. I'd had my transplant in the ICU, which wasn't the plan. It should have been done on the ward because it's all done while you're awake. It's done as an infusion and it's just it's a really big process. But I had it in the ICU because I was already in there with a whole bunch of things. I had pneumonia, sepsis. Um, just a whole bunch of things going on. And it was day zero. My mum had left the hospital for the day because visiting hours were over. She decorated my room in with like balloons, happy birthday, because, you know, rebirth day. So I'd woken up to my entire room being decked out. And outside of my window, I could see the SCG. And there was, it was like lit up in pink, which I don't know why it was lit up in pink, but it felt very fitting. Um, but it was that was the night that I made that video, and I guess the way that I see it is, it's it was the old Geordie not wanting to, not wanting to let go. She didn't want to go without a fight. But yeah, wow. I, and from from there as well, I think yeah. When you spoke through with your doctor about the transplant, because mm. it's so interesting as I hear you speak about it as a transplant. Because I think when we think of transplants, we think of kind of what you said before, like a, organ an, or, an organ yeah. transplant. Mm. But for you, mm-hmm. it was. Obviously through an infusion, but yeah. before that you had to take all of your immune system out of your body, yeah. which is which is so obviously yeah, really, really high risk. Mm. Mm. How was the process of coming to terms with having the surgery mentally so, for you? Yeah, it was pretty difficult at first. So the idea of a transplant was raised about I reckon it was three years ago when I started to reach the end of the line with my treatments and therapies that I was already doing. And it was sort of just something that was mentioned as a one-off, like in the distance. If if we ever need to, this is something that we could look at, but it would be very difficult to find a doctor that would do it. And I had never even thought twice about it at that point. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe one day, but it's never going to actually happen. And then basically in the last year, it got to a point where we were just like, I can't keep having my small intestine removed. I can't live like this. I was basically in hospital full time. There was very little time at home. The most amount of time I spent at home last year was five weeks consecutively. And it was just becoming unbearable. I My quality of life was so poor. And even though I was out and about doing things and I made it look like I was okay, really that was just me pushing myself to do mm. things to feel some sense of mm. normalcy. So when we got really serious about the transplant, my doctor had been reaching out for a long time now, for about a year or two, to other doctors, you know, haematologists and specialists like that who were able to perform stem cell transplants. And here in South Australia, it's still, you know, a very taboo thing and nobody was interested in performing it because as far as I have been told, it had not been done for Crohn's in Australia. So... We managed to find somebody in New South Wales at 
St. Vincent's Hospital, where they perform a lot of autoimmune disease stem cell transplants. These more, or like the more, not experimental, so it's not definitely not experimental, but the less common reasons mm. for someone to have mm. a stem cell transplant. And we, I met with them over telehealth appointments for a period of about a year. And there were so many things that we weighed up before we went ahead with the transplant. We had to weigh up basically if the disease was posing more of a risk to my life than what the transplant was Mm, going to. mm. The transplant had a risk, like a mortality risk of, I think it was five to 10%. So that's one in 10 Mm. to one in 20 people not surviving the transplant. And because of a lot of the issues that I have with my disease, like perianal Crohn's, Mm. um, I get septic abscesses basically in my perianal region Mm. Um, and that definitely increased that risk. So it was really difficult to weigh up but at the end of the day I was willing to take a risk on something that had the potential to Mm. make me better or to give me a longer and better quality of life as opposed to just letting the disease play out which would have absolutely resulted in death at some point in the near future. So I guess I just really want to see my 30th birthday and I think that I'm going to be able to now. So at least I hope so. I want to ask you as well, how did you make the decision with your parents or did you make it yourself? How did you... Mm. Because I just obviously like your parents, they they would of course they love you so much. Yeah. And they want to protect you, and I just I can't imagine how I know I hard it would have been to make yeah. that decision because you in those instances I think you want the medical system or like you know science to make it for you, and that like here's the mm. risk. But obviously it was such a high risk surgery. Oh, I mean mm-hmm. as you said before, you, even in your goodbye video, you didn't want them to blame the transplant. You wanted them to blame the disease and that's hundred yeah. percent would have got mm. what would have gone through their minds hundred percent so how, exactly. how did you make the decision what was the process with your family mm. and did you get to was there a point where you they said you know you need to make it or how did how did that happen yeah so I made the decision solely on my own so since I was well since I was young basically I've taken charge of my own health care and I've chosen to educate myself as much as I can about my own condition and I've become pretty kinesthetically aware where I'm kind of aware of all the sensations in my body of what the muscles and organs are doing like I can feel I can feel things moving through my digestive tract for example and that has been really good for me because I've been able to advocate for myself because I have this really deep understanding of what is going on in my body so I guess I I made the decision solely by myself and my parents would not have influenced my decision because I knew deep down that this is what I needed to do. And I guess at first they were very concerned because you mentioned something like chemotherapy, for Mm. example, and people's heads turn and they go, oh, okay. And obviously my parents were not keen on the idea of me having to live in a bubble essentially for the next two years of my life. They weren't keen on any of that. But I think after a little while, when they saw that I was basically in hospital 24-7, had 13 surgeries in the time span of 12 months, they just kind of said, at the end of the day, we've got to try something because Mm. it eventually sunk into them that this wasn't going to go away. This wasn't something that was going to fix itself. It was going to progressively get worse. And it was going to get to a point where even though I might still be alive, my quality of life would be so negligible that 
I had to do something. And I think they definitely understood that. The thing that concerned them the most was initially, so I have a colostomy bag. I'm sure you yes. probably know that from my TikTok. But um, for anyone that doesn't know what that is, I can, you, um, can you tell yeah. everyone? Basically, a colostomy bag is, it's a bag on my belly, which is sitting over a segment of my large intestine where I basically poop into a bag mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to put it as like literally as possible. possible. Yeah. 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 So basically it's, it's a poo bag. Mm-hmm. And, um, when it came down to having colostomy surgery, my dad was always someone who was like, absolutely not. Like, unless you desperately need it, do not opt for it because nobody wants their, tw- at the time I was 23, mm-hmm. nobody wants their 23 year old daughter to end up with a colostomy bag. Mm-hmm. Nobody does. But it got to a point where the risk of me having a septic abscess in mm. my perianal region or my butt, so to speak, um, the risk of that happening post-transplant and causing me to end up dying from sepsis when I had no immune system, that was just going to be too high. The yeah. risk was just not they, – they wouldn't even do the transplant. They were not keen on it. They That was one of the things that they sort of said to me, if anything's going to rule you out from being able to have this procedure, mm. it's your perianal disease. So we decided to go ahead with a temporary colostomy so that basically there was nothing – passing through the back end. There was nothing going through that area to cause that infection. And I guess when when that came about, my that re- that's the thing I think that really upset my dad because I guess, like I say, no one wants their child to end up with a colostomy bag. But he when, when he sort of started to say, okay, I guess that's what has to be done, it sunk in for me that this is what has to be done. It wasn't something that I was opting for. It was something that it was a necessity for me to have yeah. the transplant. And I mean, look, while I don't, I would rather not have one, it's what I needed yeah. to do. So is what it is. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think one of the first videos I might've seen of yours um, that that really sparked my interest in how much you shared was you talking about feeling sexy and confident and even, you know, the prospect of dating oh, when yeah. you were getting used to it. Do you mind talking to that? Because I think- yeah it's like there's such a stigma around it. And as you said, it's a necessity. Like for a lot of people, that's their only option. And for a lot of people, it's like because it's this physical thing you can see, it's a lot to get their head around is how they're going to go back into you know normal life and feel themselves again and find confidence again. Do you mind talking about your experience with that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think there's this idea that society perpetuates that there is a standard for what is normal. Mm. But really, like, when you think about it, what what is normal? There is no such thing as normal as such. But what society perpetuates is this idea that if you are, if you have something different to what their standard of normal is, um, that it's taboo. So something like a colostomy bag is often associated with such stigma because people see it as being abnormal, I guess. And for me... Having a colostomy bag is so normal. I definitely have, I have my moments with it where I absolutely despise the thing. And that's that's one of the things I try and be really transparent about because it's not all rainbows and mm. butterflies. And if I sat there and said, oh my goodness, my life is so much better because I have a colostomy, I would be absolutely fibbing because it's not. But it allowed me to do what I needed to do. And that's, yeah. that's the important thing. But one of my biggest concerns is actually 
dating. It's not even something that I've, I've tried to sort of like put myself out there a little bit, but it's tricky because, you know, you match with people on dating apps and you talk to them, then they go on your Instagram, like, or they, or they'll ask for your Instagram, you give them your Instagram and then they stop talking to you. And most of the time you can kind of work out why they've stopped talking to you because nothing went wrong in the conversation. Mm. It's just they've gone to your Instagram and they've seen that you've got a whole lot of baggage. But I guess, yeah, it's it's something that I haven't quite been able to experiment with yet. And I'm, I'm very nervous about it, to be honest. Mm. Well, because- I hope that anyone that does, you know, swipe that you swipe and you start a conversation (laughs) and um, they do see your Instagram and that conversation. I hope that happens for you because I think Mm. anyone that's seeing what you are going through and then isn't continuing a conversation, you are better off without having them anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. And it works as a really good way to weed out people that I'm not too keen on (laughs) having in my life. It's it's like a filter, which is great. I love that. (laughs) But yeah, I guess I'm dating something that I've just been like Mm. really nervous about. And I, do, I definitely do feel, I feel attractive within myself with my colostomy bag. I don't necessarily feel unattractive, mm. but I guess it's definitely, it's difficult when you think about the logistics of it. When I, like, if I look at myself in the mirror, I'm not like, wow, I don't like myself because of my bag. There's certainly times where it's frustrated me and I don't like looking at it. But for the most part, I still feel like myself. Mm. But then I think about the logistics, like, what if I go and stay at a boy's house? How am I going to change the bag in his bathroom, you know? That's the that's the sort of thing that I haven't quite learned to navigate yet. But one day, maybe, maybe you one will. Day. You will. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like as, as you change it in your bathroom. It'll your be your norm. I, yeah. I, that's I, it. I, just, I can imagine it would be. And I think, do, do you, question actually, mm-hmm. are you, in terms of dating, because you, something so special about how open you are mm. is that, and also because, I mean, Steph and I are not haven't been on dating apps, and I yeah, I, yeah that's we why I was so about, about, I swipe. You we swipe. always we always <laughs> talk like, about like it? I wish I could experience it. Just I just I feel like we missed out a little bit, but anyway, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. <laughs> anyway, so from from however, and also we're just awkward. Well, actually, not you. I'm awkward as anything, and I just oh, it's okay. I'm yeah, awkward as anything as well. I'm with you. <laughs> I am with you. But on on with because people ask for your social media page, mm-hmm. and obviously you're very open about what you've been through in your social media. Yeah. Do you see that also as something that's so incredible because then when you go and see them, because I can imagine for so many people with chronic illness or that do have a bag or have something that they feel makes them different or that society tells yeah. them makes them look different yes, and like not beautiful, exactly. which is not the case at all. Mm. Mm. I think uh, I, I assume a lot of people would, would hide it for as long as possible and that would be really hard. Yeah. But for you, you've already told the world about it. So you've kind of got over that biggest hurdle before you've even started, like, Mm. you know, continued the conversation. That is exactly why I do it. Yeah. Well, okay. I I do it because I want to raise awareness and things like that. Obviously that's, that is my main reason. But part of the reason that I am so open and I have no shame in talking about it is because it just makes it a lot easier. It's an icebreaker. And I guess if I put it out there, then I don't have to have that awkward conversation. So if, say, I do start talking to someone, like, dating-wise, or even even friendships, I don't have to really explain it. And it's not something that then needs to be discussed in detail unless they yeah. want to know about it because mm. I'm not just going to sit on a day and be like, hey, by the way, this dinner's really good. Also, I shit in a bag. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, <laughs> but I guess because I have that online platform, people were able to see that beforehand and I don't have to have that awkward conversation. And, mm-hmm. look, if they want to ask about it, I'm... I think they know that I'm comfortable talking about it. I'm an open book, but 
it makes it much less awkward in my opinion. Yeah. I well, you're think, a queen. Uh, yeah. I think, I, think I mean, I agree. You are a queen. But Thank I think you. that that is a, it is a good point because I think it's interesting um, and it's it's amazing that you're open to that curiosity um, and I suppose in educating people as well mm. about it. But at the end of the day, you're also just a person wanting to live your life. Mm. Do you, like, I'm sure a lot of your friends have got to a point where it's not really any other questions other than how you're going yeah. um, and you can just kind of catch up. Do you ever get to a point where you're like, I, and I, we're having you literally on a podcast right now and, we, know, and we're making you it. talk about it. Um, but other than that, it, it, other than spreading the awareness, do you ever get to a point where you're just like, I just, no one asked me about it. it like today, I just don't want to talk about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 100%. And it's not so much that I and it's never that I don't feel comfortable talking yeah, about it yeah. because I've like I could talk the hind legs off a donkey about it just because <laughs> it's my life it's like when yeah. someone talks about oh you know I went to the gym today well today I emptied my bag like it's it, I don't it sounds crazy but it's just that is my life I mm-hmm. guess um but there definitely are times where I explain the same thing over and over and when something's really complex as well like when I talk about I don't know my time in Sydney mm-hmm. if I have like if I catch up with a friend one day and then it's the first time I've caught up with them. So I've got to go over everything with them. Then I've got to go over everything with a friend the next day. Mm. And I kind of just, that's why I post a lot. That's another reason I post a lot online so that people who follow along with my journey feel like they've been updated Mm. and they're getting the information that they need to know that I'm doing okay. And then I don't really have to do too much from there. I can just, I can answer their questions, but yeah, it does. Sometimes it gets a little bit tiresome, mm. but for the most part, it's worth it because it a raises awareness, and it's it's not just about awareness. It's about being for me. It's about being the person that I think that I needed when I was fifteen years mm. old. And when they like when I had my first bowel surgery, they said to me, "We don't know if you're going to wake up with a a stoma. We don't know." And at the time, I didn't even know it was called a stoma. All I knew was that it was a bag. Mm. And that even even just like, oh, a bag, it just it mm. sounds so negative. And I said to them, well, don't bother waking me up then. If you're going to m- wake me up with one, I don't want to wake up. Mm. No, thanks. So I just think about what I needed when I was 15. And if I'd gone on the internet and seen people like myself, you know, younger people, because the demographic that they show in the media with stomas is usually oh older mm. people which is so fine but also it creates a bit of stigma because young people think oh well, that's an old person thing and it's really not mm. um and I remember that there was one person on social media at the time that well, she wasn't really on social media but it was more through like um just Crohn's awareness in general and she's a surfer with an ostomy and that was that to me like she was my idol at the mm. time and I thought if I can be that person for somebody How special. when they're 15 years old facing the prospect of an ostomy, mm. then my job's done. I don't mind if I get tired talking about it because it's worth it. Well, you've definitely done that job. Yeah. Thank you. And you are a queen yeah. and anyone should be so lucky to date you. So if yes. you do come across Geordie on the app, swipe whichever direction it is. <laughs> but only if you're good, know. you know. We don't want any like shit prospects coming no. to you. No. Really. No. <laughs> and like I still don't, I don't know if it's swipe left or right. I just say I swipe on you. Like if I, I yeah, swipe on you, if you, I don't know if it's left or right. You're swiping from the left, but are you swiping? <laughs> I don't know. Well, whatever the swipes are, Mm. (laughs) people should be so lucky to find you on there. 
Oh, um, thank you. Thank you so much for coming thank on, you. for sharing your story. That's okay. For thank having you. the strength. I think it, it's as you're talking, what you're speaking through, what you've just been through, obviously quite factually, but the fact that you have been through that and you're now sitting here and recording this podcast <laughs> when you got, you know, so close to the end of your life yeah. and now you're starting a new journey in your life is is honestly fucking incredible and sorry thank to you. swear, but, but truly. So thank you for all of the work that you do and, and for taking the time to share with with our kit community. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I've been listening to you guys for ages, so this is just like very exciting for me. So. Oh. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you ever want to get involved with our podcast, maybe we're talking about a segment, you have something relatable you want to chat about, a DNM, questions, um, please send your voice notes or your stories to us at KickPod where you can DM us directly um, and you can also keep up with everything that we're doing on the podcast there as well. You can see the video content that we share and any other questions or updates and we want to get you guys involved. You sure can. And if you want to find out more about Kick, you can learn more at kickapp.com. You can download the app on the Google Play or the Apple Store. We have got a free seven-day trial. And you can find us on Instagram at Steph Claire Smith at Laurie.henshaw and on TikTok at Kick. We will chat to you soon. <laughs> <laughs>